Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Esther, owner of Sereth Design. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hi, guys. Welcome back to a new episode of Better, the Brand Designer Podcast. We are so excited to be here again recording for you guys. Let's just jump into the intro question. How does that sound, Jen? Perfect. I'm excited about this one. Me too. So this question today is, if you were magically given three more hours per day, what would you do with it? So good. And it's so funny because y'all might think I will say, oh, I want to spend those three more hours with my toddler. (laughs) But I actually, the first thing that came to mind, and we keep it real on this podcast, guys, Honestly, I would love to use those to work. Working hours are a little scarce over here. As I was just telling Esther, I typically work at least now, you know, my baby goes down for a nap at 11. I have a sitter come at one. She stays till five. So I work from 11 to five, which seems like it should be able to get enough done in those hours and uninterrupted. But like, guys, it just goes so fast. So At least right now, I'm in a really busy season. I would probably use those three extra hours to work. If you asked me this question, maybe even six months ago or a year ago, sleep, hands down, sleep. Working out is not in there at all. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's totally understandable. Like so real. Like we just need more time to actually get stuff done. Like work is Mm -hmm. a valid, valid thing to do with the extra three hours that you have. Even though, like, of course, we wish that those answers were a little bit, like, more, like, cozy, feely, I know, know? I know. But we're keeping it real, though, guys. Um, But Esther, I'm really interested to hear what your hours are going to be used for. Yeah, actually, I kind of feel in a way similar to you where I'm like, I wish that I want to say, like, spending time with my husband, which I love him. But sometimes (laughs) I just want to be a little bit selfish with that extra three hours. So I would probably use one of that hour's to sleep longer because I love my sleep. I would probably use another hour to go for a walk, like go for a nice nature walk because I do not get up out of my desk area like nearly enough. And then let's see, maybe my last hour I would probably use to like work on myself, like my own business, because I feel like I spend so much of my time focused on my clients that I hardly have time to really focus on my own stuff. Yeah, I totally feel you. A lot of that stuff gets put on the wayside. And actually, if you guys looked at my current like Halogen Creative to-do list and click up, I have like HJC to-do, which is all client stuff. And then I have low priority, which is like all my business stuff. Yeah, it's always <laughs> so like low priority. <laughs> Even though it should it's be so like at the top of the list, it's not. Yes. It's a work in progress. And, you know, sometimes, you know, actually something that I've been doing recently is typically on Fridays, I take the whole day off. But during the baby's nap, if I don't feel like watching a movie or like doing something that is not work related, I'll kind of let myself give my business a little treat, like kind of like a business treat yourself moment. And so last week, I purchased a Dubsado proposal template from searchandgrow.com. 
And I kind of spent a couple hours learning how to implement that and then customizing my proposal in Dubsado to make it more beautiful. And so it felt like, even though I was swamped with client work, it felt like a little extra special something that I was doing for my business, kind of like giving my business a pedicure or something. And it was really fun. And it was great that I kind of gave myself permission to be like, okay, I'm going to do this little thing and it's fine. I'm not going to spend too long on it, but just like a little extra, extra thing. I love that. I love the idea of giving our business a pedicure. Because I feel like we <laughs> I do talk need about it. pedicures a lot. We do. <laughs> Speaking of, I need a pedicure soon. <laughs> Me too. I got one like a month ago and I got gel and it's just, it's growing out. <laughs> Sorry, that's kind of gross. I don't know why I said that, but it's okay. You guys... we're, we're laying all in the open. <laughs> I love it. So Esther, do you want to kind of lead us into today's topic? Because I know that this is something that is really on your mind and salient for you right now. Yeah, definitely. So today we are going to talk about finding inspiration and how you get those creative juices flowing as a designer. This is something that I've been really noticing lately for myself is that it's hard to find inspiration. It's hard to just feel like the sparks are flying and you know exactly what to do. And finding that creative inspiration when you have client deadlines and projects coming up, it's just like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm going to like put together. So I wanted to talk today and get your ideas and like just kind of like thoughts on how we find inspiration that doesn't all feel the same. Because I feel like it's very difficult even though the internet is so vast, to actually find stuff that's going to be like purposeful, fit our clients' needs, fit like our desires, and really create something that is beautiful and impactful and not just get stuck in this creative rut. I completely agree. And honestly, I've been feeling really burned out on Pinterest. I know that that is... That's just... It's part of my process to create a Pinterest board. I do internal Pinterest boards. I do not invite my clients to them. I know many designers who do choose to invite their clients to them. There's no one right or wrong way. But like, I just noticed that like the same graphics are like cycling up no matter what search terms I put in. I don't know. I just like... I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, Esther, because I feel like you have... You've discovered so many cool resources. And, you know, I just really need to jump out of this like, you know rut where I'm seeing the same inspiration pieces over and over and over again. And even though I niche down by my design style, I don't want my work to just all look identical or look like someone else's, right? So this is going to yeah. be a good, a good meaty one. Yeah, I totally feel that too. Like I love Pinterest because there's so much drool-worthy content on there. Like I go on, I'm like, Ooh, that's beautiful. Ooh, I love that. But I do mm -hmm. feel the same way of like, okay, is everything, does it all have the same style? And am I going to fall into that? Like, I don't want to fall into that. I want to present something new and exciting and unique for my clients that has like this underlying tones, but isn't like a repeat of anybody else. You also then fall into this like okay, everything's the same. So I need to like make my work to be the same so that it performs up to the same caliber as everybody, every other designer. And it's really hard to like step outside of that bubble to then be like, okay, what actually inspires me outside of my Pinterest boards? Like, what do I love in the world that can actually like push forward any other creative, like, I don't know what the word is there. 
like just some other nuggets. Yeah, like kind of an alternate stream of intuitive inspiration, I guess we could call it. I know that um, a great resource for learning about intuitive design is Brie from Rowan Maid. You can find her on Instagram at Rowan Maid. She talks a lot about breath work and spirituality and kind of becoming more in tune with yourself so that when you get a client brief, you finish up the brand strategy or you're, tight, you're looking for tight faces, making a big board, et cetera, you kind of can close your eyes and like look within and then allow the design to kind of come to you intuitively. Some people might be like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Other people might be like, whoa, Jen, what are you talking about? And I definitely feel like I kind of utilize that approach a little bit, but there are also lots of external things from my everyday life now that are coming to me just now. And I'm like, wait, no, I do get inspired by those things. So let's talk about those. Esther, tell me more about like things that inspire you in the actual IRL world outside of kind of our digital spaces. I love the idea of like looking outside of the digital space to get inspired because exactly what you're saying about Rowan Maid's outlook on it is when you sit and you're like, oh my gosh, I actually love this. Then it has that like spark of energy. So for me, what inspires me outside of design is nature. I love being in nature. I'm originally from Oregon. And so I, now that I'm in Chicago in this like winter tundra, and concrete jungle. I feel like I don't get enough of it, but I love like spending time going for a walk, going for a hike where you get to see the patterns of leaves and the colors that are in nature and the sky and just like breathing fresh air as well. I feel like there's so much there to draw from. And I've talked about this before as well, but like all of my plants around me, I feel like they give me inspiration for like life forms and how things grow and change and organic lines and things like that. I also am very inspired by music. I always have music playing. I love like soft indie music. I feel like that just starts to get me in a space where I'm like grooving. So I feel like those are the two main things for me that inspire me outside of design. But then there's also things like just getting into different types of art form. Like I took a pottery class and I'm now cross-stitching. Like things like that where I'm like, okay, I need to get like inspired from other types of art that I can do that maybe then I relate back to design work. I love all of those things so much and I can relate to a lot of them as well. I think the biggest thing for me outside of the digital world at least something that's like accessible to me right now, just like, you know, with COVID and everything, like travel is kind of difficult. We'll talk about travel in a little bit, but just going outside for a walk and not bringing headphones. And I know that sounds crazy, but I I might've talked about this in a past season, but sometimes like my brain will just be percolating on a concept or thinking about a brand strategy and like a mood board will like kind of come to me while I'm just like walking. And I definitely think it has something to do with being outside, breathing that fresh air, you know, feeling the ground underneath your feet, bringing a little bit more of that presence to kind of your mindset. And I'm a total, I, I, guys, I have an audiobook on like all the time. I'm always listening to podcasts. You guys are listening to a podcast right now and I love that. Um, But sometimes it can be really helpful to just kind of cut the noise. And then like, 
it might be uncomfortable for a few moments, but then, you know, if you're working on a problem or you have a, a, tough, a tough conversation ahead of you or something, I found that there is a lot of inspiration that comes to me when I, I give my brain that space to bring those things to the forefront because they're all underneath there, my subconscious, you know, but things will kind of rise to the top and I can toss aside ideas or take on other ideas. And I definitely write things in my notepad on my phone while I'm out, Um, like business ideas a lot of the time and, you know, naming and color ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. I love all of that that you just shared. I think the two things that stood out to me, it's like one, getting out of your space, right? Getting into something, a different environment that is going to be like, oh, okay, wow. Like, because I'm in a different space, I can think about things differently. And then two, just like quiet time, like letting your brain rest. Mm-hmm. I've actually been reading on that as well of like, when you sit, like people meditate and sometimes I'll meditate as well, but it's just like letting your brain decompress for a sec and allow that space for extra ideas to come in rather than the same ideas swirling around, running around your mind constantly. And that's the only thing you can ever think about, right? hundred percent. And I'm also totally addicted to my phone. I'll be the first to admit I'm addicted to Instagram. It's something that I rationalize by saying like, oh, well, I need this for my business. And I do have limited work hours because I'm a mom. And so I'm like, oh, well, I need to be on Instagram so that I can extend my work hours. But then I just end up seeing the same old stuff, seeing stuff from other designers, you know, and we always want to design things that are really unique. There's a difference between, you know, like you can get inspiration from other designers and see, oh, wow, that's a really cool way that they manipulated that icon. Like, I wonder if I could use a style similar to that. Totally. But we always want to be really like careful of, you know, just consuming too much content from other people, you know? So I think that there is so much here as far as um, just kind of being, oh, mindfulness. That's the word I was trying to come up with earlier. And and I think that um, my business coach, um, Morgan Rapp, and I know Esther, you were in Design Biz Mastery with me, which is Morgan's group coaching program. She has been recently having a lot of really cool, interesting conversations around introducing mindfulness into the everyday things that you do. It's like, you know, Esther and I are both incredibly busy. I'm a mom. Esther has other things going on in her life. You know, it's not always going to be like, oh, we're just chained to our desk all the day long. But I think like, washing the dishes, walking your dog, you know, me that's playing with my baby, sitting there and actually being present with him. I think that, you know, turning the audiobook off, <laughs> I know that won't last too much longer once he starts talking, but like, I think that helps kind of cultivate that space that then allows your brain to like kind of work on some of those problems for you while you've stepped away from your computer. Yes. Yes. I love all of that. Practicing mindfulness in every little aspect of your day, whether that is the small things, like when you're making coffee or whatever it is, like that is so important. I want to go back to what you were talking about of like trying to find inspiration through other designers, which is definitely a good thing. Like there are so many talented people out there that create awesome work that I am always like, oh my gosh, I wish that I could do that. Or like, I want to pull inspiration from there. But one of the things that you said that I really resonate with is like, what can we put out that is so true to Esther? Like when I break, when I make work, I want people to look at it and be like, oh, I totally see her personality coming through that. Or I see where she could have gotten inspiration from that. And I think that is such a unique spin because that way 
you're not just being like a robot and copying everything that you've seen and everything that you've done, but you're giving your perspective from the world and the way that you see things, like your lens on life into your design work. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. I think that there's such a great nugget here around cultivating confidence in who you are as a designer, but also who you are as a business owner and who you are as a person. Because when we run these like most people listening are probably running like a smaller boutique studio or a small agency. A lot of the positioning has to do with, you know, your personality or the values that you want to infuse in your business. That has such an impact on the way that you design. And I mean, like we're brand designers. That's what we do for our clients. We infuse the brands with their unique personality and you know, audience and research and brand strategy and all that, you know? And so especially if you niche by design or you want to be known for a specific design style, it can be really valuable to think about, okay, what would a brand done by Halogen Creative look like within the confines of this project brief or these clients' needs? That's always something that I'm considering when I am working on a project. And of course, all my clients know up front. I do have a specific design style. I have a style release clause in my contract that tells a client, hey, you know, you're relatively um, familiar with my work and you can expect something that would look similar to the work already in my portfolio. So I think even if you don't niche by design style, it's still interesting to think about like what exactly what you said, Esther, like who are you and like what do you put into your brand? Like what's that special sauce? that makes someone look at that and go, okay, that's a serif design, you know? Yes. Yes. I love all of that. Like, yeah, people come to us for our design style so we can infuse our design style, but also taking into consideration who they are. Yeah. I am curious, like something that I struggle with often too, is like just feeling like burnt out or like in this little creative rut of, I have work to do, but I don't know exactly what to put on the table. Like, what am I actually going to present? So I'm curious, what do you do when you get into a creative rut and when you feel like you don't quite have the inspiration yet for your client work? Well, I actually experienced this in the last two days. So I can share an actual story about this. I have a brand strategy that has now been sent out the door. It's for a luxury wedding photographer. Really excited about the project. We want it to be really elevated, but with kind of like an edge, like a little bit of a a kind of a raw feeling, maybe moving a little bit away from the typical like lovey-dovey, like wedding industry style. And I don't know, I was just not feeling like I wanted to work on the brand strategy. Like I had a lot of stuff going on last week and I was just like, I know in my head kind of the direction that I want to go. And we had such a great creative direction and brand strategy workshop call that I was feeling really confident that I knew the direction. But for some reason, I was just like, I found myself working on other tasks because I was like, I don't want to create this template right now. And I was like, kind of beating myself up about it. I was like, this is like due this week. I know the client is waiting on it. She's a fantastic client. And so like she understands and I wasn't over deadline. I just knew that I wanted to get it done this week. And I was just like, why don't I want to work on this? And I realized like I've been working on a lot of like branding projects in the last like month or two, especially after I took a month off this summer. I had a lot of projects start at the same time. So I was doing brand strategy after brand strategy after brand strategy. And then I had to do concept development after concept development. And it's just like, 
gosh, am I burnt out from doing brand design? Because like, I love brand design. That's the reason why I started this business and I added web just, you know, because people people want it and it's a fun extension of branding. But like, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the first time this ever happened to me. Yesterday, I was like, uh, you know what? I'm just not going to make myself do this right now. I was like, I'm not in a good headspace to like do this. And I know if I force it, it's not going to be a good product. So I think that like when I'm in a rut, like obviously this is not new information, but like stepping away and giving yourself the grace to understand like, hey, I'm not in the right headspace right now to put my best foot forward and give my client what they need. I'm a total checklist to-do list person and I love checking off stuff on my to-do list. But you know what? I was like, I'm just going to let this one go for another day. And sure enough, yesterday I woke up and I was like, okay, I feel ready to approach this. And I honestly don't know what it was, whether it was I got a good night's sleep. Uh, my baby has been being like just a little fussy recently. And so like maybe I just really needed my brain to rest a little bit. And I woke up the next morning so inspired and so ready to go. And so, I mean, like that's not really like the most tangible advice ever, but that is a true story that happened just, you know, in the last two days. And so I think that there can be something there where you, you just really let yourself, okay, I'm not going to work on this today. I'm going to check in with myself tomorrow. How am I feeling? You know, have that mindful moment and then kind of work with your energy. It's different if you got like a hard deadline. You're like, you know what? I got to get this done. But even hour by hour, you can say, I'm going to work on this easy task first and then jump into brand design or I'm going to take a 25 minute walk and then I'm going to jump into the brand strategy. Totally. Thank you for sharing that story. I feel like that's so like, I resonate with that so much too, because when I do take steps away, even if it's like for a night to get a good sleep, the product in the end is always so much better. Yeah. Like it's so good to have that separation and say like, all right, I am not feeling this right now because when we force creativity, it doesn't always turn out the way that we anticipate it to. Like if you're staying up late till 2 a.m. just to get something done because you need to get it done, it's just going to get done. But is it really like that inspiration that you've had built up of like, okay, this is really what it is going to be. And it's so beautiful and so perfect. But if you don't have that time, it doesn't get there. I think that there's a really interesting conversation here around building that creative space into your like booking calendar. I think one of the biggest questions that we get very often is like, okay, how many projects do I work on at once? Like, how do I know how many clients mm. that I should book at a time? And it's like, I wish there was an easy answer to that question, guys, because like I ask myself that all the time. I'm like, how did I get in this situation where I'm working on like five websites and like three different brands at the same time? And of course, like I'm so grateful to be able to even have that problem because me two years ago would have paid a lot of money and like probably sold like my left arm to be able to say that I was working on five websites and three brand projects at the same time. But I mean, that is a real thing where things just pile up and that affects your creative energy. And the inspiration doesn't always strike. It can be a little bit nebulous sometimes. Yeah. One thing that I do with my clients is like, yes, maybe sometimes I'm taking on a lot of clients at once or sometimes I'm not. It just depends on where it goes. But one thing I always do with my clients is make sure I have enough time built in for that like quote unquote procrastination or like the inspiration phase. Like as I 
even though I say like patient, I don't know. <laughs> Inspiration, procrastination. Procrastin- <laughs> I was like, there's something there's there. Something <laughs> there. There's something there. There's something there. But like I tell my clients, yes, we're gonna work on this for a month, but am I actually working on it them for a whole month? No. I'm working on them like maybe once a week for a day or mm-hmm. twice a week for a few hours because I need that breathing time in between to actually let my brain think about it in the background. So even though I'm not actively thinking like, what colors scheme am I going to do for this? Or like, what typefaces am I going to use? It's just giving my brain that rest to think and like come up with the new inspiration for what I'll do later on. That is such good advice. And I mean, like, and people wonder like why we're thinking about our businesses all the time. It's because when you do something that you love and that you're passionate about... And like, especially if you're creatives like us, like that just doesn't shut off when you close your laptop. Then you go and you eat a meal or you go and you see a menu in a restaurant. Maybe I'm hungry right now. <laughs> or like, you know, you go shopping and you see something you're like, huh, okay. And even if you don't think like, I'm going to take a picture of that and then file it away on my Evernote and come back to it later. Like it's saved in your brain somewhere. You know, our brains are crazy, guys. This is not a psychology podcast, but... That's my addition. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Another thing that I do to like collect inspiration for the future is I'll like screenshot so many things on my phone because like we were talking about earlier, we spend so much time on our phones. Yeah. Like if I find something, even if it's just like a beautiful image or like a pattern that somebody's wearing that I'll zoom in and like screenshot it, I save that in a folder of inspiration. So when I need something or I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'll go back through that folder that's full of hundreds of images and find something that I'm like, all right, that might work. Like, let's use that here. Because if I forget to screenshot it, then it'll get lost in air and it's non-existent anymore. I love that so much. I do that with uh, with with Instagram specifically. I have a bunch of folders. And if you guys haven't been utilizing this feature on Instagram, you can save things and then create different folders. Like you can save posts and reels and stuff and then create different categories. And so I have like one for content ideas where if I see someone doing a piece of content where I'm like, huh, that is such a good idea. Like maybe I should do like 12 things I learned over the last quarter or whatever, you know? Um, And then there's also one for design inspiration. So this might be other designers. It might be, like you said, Esther, shopping, which I do a lot on Instagram. It might be just like when you're on your Discover tab and you see something cool and you just want to save it. I need to start doing that on my phone though because my photos are so disorganized. That's smart to use the Instagram saving method. Like I feel like I just save everything and then it goes into this whole jumble of like all my saved images. But that could be fun though, right? Because then you're kind of creating like a Pinterest collection of like things that caught my eye. And so that there's a reason when you go back and you like, you might not remember screenshotting it, but you're like, okay, there was a reason that I screenshotted this. Like, what was that reason? Because it made me feel something. It made me stop and look at it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what that we're trying so to true. do for our clients. Yeah. Like, like we want everyone, every client wants something that's, oh, it's bold. It's eye-catching. Like, you know, but that's true because I, I actually paint this picture. I did this on a discovery call yesterday, actually, of Imagine that uh, one of your clients is looking for your service and they have your website tab open, but they also have like 10 other tabs open. What's going to make them pause for those five seconds that you get for them to determine whether or not they're going to stay on your website? And I mean, that's that's logo, that's color palette, that's typeface, all of those kind of front-facing parts of, of brand identity. I mean, I keep on going back to that phrase, like that special sauce. Like there's a reason why you save something. And so... 
remember that next time you go through everything. But I want to look now yeah. at your giant list of, of inspiration I'll images. send you a screenshot later. <laughs> I'll upload it into the Facebook group as well. Like oh, a screenshot of do. just all my massive inspiration that I've pulled. Another thing that I want to talk about is like, yes, it's good to collect inspiration from Instagram and Pinterest, but like there are so many other spaces to collect inspiration. And I've actually pulled together a list that I wanted to share with you guys. Cause I think that oftentimes we talked about this earlier in the podcast too, of like, we kind of get stuck in this same loop feedback loop is, or like the same type of things constantly. So to step out of that a little bit, I've collected over time, a bunch of websites that I have that I'll go to once in a while when I need like font inspiration or I need website inspiration or brand design inspiration. And it's just like a different look on it. Like some of it's a little bit more edgy and some of it's like more feminine and just to get an idea of like what's out there. So some of the things that I use for like font inspiration, I use a website called Fonts in Use, Type Wolf. And then for website inspiration, there's like Maxi Best of, Awards, Site Inspire, Commerce Cream, Curated by Jack. I mean, endless things that you could look at. Brand design inspiration, there's identity design, inspiration grid. And then one of my favorite magazines that you can actually order, print to like ship to your house is Communication Arts. And it's just all of these things are so fun to look at because they're all unique. It's not all the same like type things that you're looking at within Pinterest, but you're going to find designers who are totally outside of like our quote unquote typical sphere of designers. Like I have the same designer friends that I follow and I see all of their stuff, but it's that like extra outer sphere. So I love looking at these and I don't look at them all the time, but when I am looking for something unique and like completely different than where I'm at, I'll go in and be like, okay, oh my gosh, that is so freaking cool. Like that typeface, I need to use that. I have a whole folder on like, I mean, this isn't as cool as all those links. So thanks for sharing those. I'm so excited to go and check those out, especially curated by Jack, because what a cool name. Seriously. (laughs) I have a folder in my browser called HJC for Halogen Creative. And then I have clients, HJC links, web design, fonts, resources, courses, and Dubsado. So the fonts is just a long list of stuff that I've just found from the internet of fonts where I'm like, that's a cool font. I don't have a project for it right now, but I'm going to save it. And then I'm going to go back to this list when I'm doing typography research. And then sometimes I find that like perfect font fit. And I'm like, Pastion, I am so grateful for you because you knew that I was going to have a project that was going to fit this typeface. Um, and I have so many more where I don't have projects yet um, for them. But you know, I could do personal projects. Um, I like to start sometimes with the typeface and think about, okay, what type of business would have this typeface? That can be really, really fun. I love that. We don't get to do that um, when we're working with actual clients. But I'll have to send a screenshot in the group of like my list of, of fonts that I love. Some of these I've used. Some of them are new that I'm, I'm thinking about using in the future. But oh, it's really fun to go back through. I love that. Another thing that I was just thinking about is like, if you have this collection of typefaces or like website inspiration, if you have time, like creating those passion projects that allow you to let your creative juices flow, that's going to bring more inspiration for your actual client work. And I wish I had more time to do all of my like passion projects. I have a few on my list, but it's kind of fun to see like a typeface and be like, what kind of brand would that work with in like get to make something that's purely joy and purely like you pouring yourself out 
into design. Yes. I actually just did this. My husband is kind of working on learning a little bit of code. And so he was like, oh, design me like a homepage. And so Sophia Pro is the secondary typeface in my own brand. Uh, I believe it's Google font. It's free. And I invented a skincare line called Sophia. And I used Sophia. Yeah, I used Sophia Pro for the logo, which is super simple and minimal. Like think Curology or a brand similar to that. I just kind of put it together and even make a brand identity for it. I just kind of typed the logo out and then edited a little bit in Illustrator and made assets for them. And that was a really, really fun thing where I did kind of do it backwards where I started with typeface and then, you know, brought it into web world. But I should honestly put that in my portfolio because I would love to do a project that was similar to that. Yeah, that is so fun. I love when you come up with stuff and you're like, I'm just going to make something. And it's just going to be so fun. And even if you spend like two hours on it or three hours just to like put something out there, that's fun. Yeah. Also, side note, I really love that your husband's learning code because I've started to get my husband to dabble in it too. I'm like, I wish, I literally said yesterday, I wish you knew code because then you could help me with this one problem that I'm having. And he's like, I'll get there eventually. I'll get there. I know. Yeah. My husband is about to leave his job and, you know, just kind of going to give him that time and space to just think about next steps. And so he's exploring some different options. And I really feel like his brain would be good for a developer. I am not, I do not have a developer brain. I definitely am more on the creative side. And I know there are amazing unicorns out there who do both. Esther, you being one of them, I know you you know code, but I don't know. Would you consider yourself a developer or more designer who can code? I'm just curious. I would consider myself a designer who can code. And I actually, now that I've been doing it more, I love it a lot. Like I get joy out of problem solving and figuring all of this out. <laughs> we are um, so but different. I, definitely wouldn't, <laughs> I, know. I do not like coding I at feel all. Like <laughs> it's hard. Like when I first started, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, am I ever going to figure this out? But the, the more I like learned about it and shout out to Square Stylist because I've been taking her Squarespace course and it is literally game changing because it helped me really think through how I code and the processes that I take. But without that, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I would consider myself a designer who codes and I'm getting better at it, but definitely not a developer because I don't know everything. I think that if I get into a space eventually where I know more then maybe I can consider myself a developer, but I'm not there yet. That's cool though. I was just curious because I definitely consider myself a designer who can't code. (laughs) I mean, like I can, (laughs) I know code, like I can do HTML and like CSS and stuff, but it's really copy paste and it's really heavily like, I'm going to outsource this to someone who can do this faster than me. It's just really not my zone of genius. But I think you're definitely one of those unicorns who enjoys it and has the skills for it. And, um, Yeah, I just really admire that about you because I do not like troubleshooting code. It makes me want to tear my eyeballs out. (laughs) Well, I think that's also important to know that you don't like it and you're just going to outsource it because if you got stuck in this like, oh, I have to do it because that's what they want and I don't want to outsource it, then you get put in a rut where you're like, this is literally the worst thing and I hate my life and I hate my work and I don't want to do this anymore. Right? I mean, like even tying that back to inspiration, like, take stock of the type of services that you guys are offering too. If you feel like you're constantly in a state of creative burnout, maybe the type of services or business that you're offering isn't right for 
your skills or your mindset or your lifestyle at the current time. And maybe you could think about offering something different or maybe white labeling for another designer or, you know, it's, it's always okay to switch things up. And I think that there's a lot of beauty in being nimble and trying new things. And even if you don't go out and start an Etsy store for your watercolor paintings, like I think that just using your creative muscles in different ways, like CrossFit and yoga, you know, just making sure that you're always using like different parts of your brain and stuff. I think that can be very helpful when you do come back to a problem that you're trying to solve or you start a new brand and you're like, okay, I am so excited to do this brand strategy. <laughs> like I was not a couple of days ago, but I was excited to do it yesterday and I did it and sent it off. Um, so yeah, totally. I feel like the overall theme that we've been talking about here is like constantly be on the lookout for things that are going to inspire you. Like nothing is set in stone constantly try new things and see what works for you because what might work for Jen doesn't work for me and what might work for me doesn't work for Jen either. And it's really just like testing it out. Like if you like watercolor, if you like cross-stitching, like try something that might inspire some juices. And if it doesn't, then you scrap it and you move on and you do something else or try a different website or like just trying new things out. And I think that's kind of the MO of life and business is like figuring out what works for you and knowing that there is no exact blueprint for where you find inspiration. If Pinterest works for you, then do it. Like use all the Pinterest stuff that you can find. But if it doesn't and you're still feeling like you're stuck in this rut, then maybe try a couple of new things out and see where that takes you because you really want to learn what's working for you. How can you bring the best perspective into the world? And also like be lit up and really excited about what you're doing and what you're producing. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself. So amazing. I'm oh, I'm so grateful for you, Esther. I'm grateful for you. Aww. This is like, so this is just like bringing me back. It's so funny. Giselle and I, of course, like used to have these, like uh, we call them love fest moments. And so I'm very glad and like happy. And I know she would be as well, that those love fest moments are continuing on. So Official love fest yeah. moment of this episode. So happy. <laughs> I know Giselle would be so too. Happy. But I would love to share just a couple of things to add to Esther's list. Nowhere near as in depth, but just a couple of things that like really help me get inspired when I need to step away from my computer. I love print magazines and I started my career in editorial design. So it makes sense. But I think that there's a lot that I can learn and a lot of people can learn from typography from print designers um, because it's content and design, just like web design. And so there's a like like eyebrow headlines versus regular headlines, you know, whether you want to call it H1, H2, H3, or if you're talking about eyebrow headline subhead, there's a lot of like similarities there. Real Simple is my favorite magazine, hands down. It's like my dream magazine to work at one day. Jen in an alternate life is single and is living in, oh, I can't remember where the like, I don't know if Real Simple is, is based in New York City or if it's in their other location in Alabama. I'm not sure, but I'm living in whatever city the Real Simple headquarters is. And you better believe it. When I look at that masthead at the very uh, beginning of the magazine every single time, I look and see what the positions are. And I'm like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> I love so. that. I just looked it up. They're in New York City. Okay, so they're you're gonna in New have York. to move back to New, New York. York City. I'll move back. Oh, make me don't make me move back to New York. Of course, 
all that being said, I'm so grateful that I have a husband and a beautiful baby. And, you know, I love my life right now. But, you know, Jen in her alternate life, she's living the dream out in New York City right now. So, but you know, I can, I can, I can read it and I can, I can daydream about it. And then I can be super happy when my baby smiles at me and giggles. So I think also I like to go typeface hunting in real life. I know that sounds kind of weird, but stick with me. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> I really like going to the mall because I'm a shopper. I'm the spender. My husband's a saver. We just know that about ourselves. And it's just, we've learned to live with each other. But going and searching and shopping and trying clothes on, even if I don't buy anything, it's just like really relaxing and fun for me. It's funny because I know so many people who think the opposite. They think that that's like the worst thing that they could use to do in their free time. But I really enjoy it. So I'll put my baby in the stroller. Our mall has like a little baby play place that we can kind of stop at to um, kind of let him burn off some energy. And then when he gets tired, I'll pop him in the stroller and then I'll just kind of walk the aisles of Sephora. Sephora is my favorite because beauty, and I really, really love beauty products, but also the packaging is typically much more well-designed than in other industries. I feel like that and food, Whole Foods is a great place to go font hunting. Oh my gosh. Yes. And Target as well. I think that the design team at Target has been killing it recently. I don't know if any of y'all have been to Target recently, but they have the Good and Gather brand, which is their like, I don't know. It's just kind of like their generic Target brand. And then they also have like little sub brands in there. There's a little sub brand of snack foods called Favorite Day. And they use the Quincy font. Or wait, no, they use Recoletta. So if anyone out there is a Recoletta fan like me, um, loving those, those retro hippie vibes, then Favorite Day by Target uses that font. And they also make really good snacks. Did I buy the snack because of the font? Yes, I did. And I'm okay with that. But I think that like kind of walking down the aisles and whatever your favorite store is and just like going and seeing, even taking pictures of like layouts or colors or typefaces, because honestly, fonts are all around us. And so that's a really great way for me to kind of break out of that. Like, oh, I'm scrolling on Pinterest and seeing the same stuff. It's like, go and take a look at, you know, the Hearth and Hand brand at Target by Magnolia or go to a local boutique. And, you know, that's where you're really going to see super unique designs that you may not see in other places. I mean, especially if it's a single location. So let me know if you guys try out font hunting. You can even do it while you're driving, although billboard fonts are notoriously not the greatest. And I I pride myself on being able to name certain typefaces that I see in real life. My husband thinks I'm a total psycho um, and a total nerd, but you know what? It's okay. (laughs) I was literally going to say the exact same thing because I told Jake the other day, like, oh yeah, that's the font they're using. He was like, how do you know that? And I was like, well, I used it once in a project before or like I was searching and I found it. And he's like, that is so weird. Like, why do you know that? <laughs> we are such nerds, guys. But like, let's let's look at it as a superpower. I'm gonna look at it as a superpower. My husband can judge me. It's okay. One time he told me all fonts look the same and I just about had a heart attack. <laughs> I think he oh said gosh. it to like poke fun at me a little bit. But like, I was showing him like a bunch of different options. Like, oh, I can't decide between these five different options. He's like, are you serious? They literally all look the same to me. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> so that's why it's good to have designer friends, you know, like Esther um, and the designer friend for me. And then also jumping into our Facebook group and, you know, asking the questions that like, when you ask your partner, they're just not helpful or they make you second guess yourself. 
<laughs> so yes, exactly. But going back, I do. I really love that you figured out what works for you and what you enjoy doing. Like you love shopping, yeah. So why not use that as your playground for finding inspiration? I think that for our listeners, that's really important to know is like, maybe you don't love shopping and that's okay, but maybe you find inspiration reading books and like you go to the library and you find cool fonts on like the books. Barnes and Noble. Whatever that, (laughs) oh my gosh, I love walking through Barnes and Noble. Some of their book covers. It heals my soul and like my designer heart just like loves it too. Yeah, but really just figuring out like, where do you find joy and what's your passion and how can you merge that together with design? Because going back to the very beginning of this, like where do you find inspiration outside of design? If it's books, that's where it's at. Like if it's nature like me, I'll go and take pictures of nature and find different patterns and colors. And it's just, like we said, just reiterating again, what works for you? What feels right for you? What do you love? Yeah, there are no rules here, guys. Maybe that is an unpopular opinion in the business space, but I truly believe that it is exactly what Esther said. What works for you works for you. And I mean, like going back to our tagline, you know, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Like the only inspiration like you need to get is the inspiration that feels natural to you. It doesn't have to be anyone else's process. So that goes for for everything that we talk about too. Yes, echoing the no rules. I think that it's really easy to see other people and think like, I want to copy them and I want to do their business model. And I want to like make my designs look exactly like them, but no, like you can do what you want. You can like put yourself out there and make your own rules and carve your own story and figure out what you want to be. This is your official permission slip guys. No, yes. Our little- I'll write you one if you need a real <laughs> permission slip. <laughs> it'll, it'll be beautifully designed. A little soapbox moment. I love it. Um, do you want to chat really quickly about travel and the importance of that and like kind of feeding your creative soul? And then we can wrap up and jump into our inbox question. Yeah. Oh my gosh, guys. Travel when you can. Get out of your space. I mean, if you have the ability, go to a new country or a new city or like go outside the city to just into the countryside and get this like different perspective on life because there are so many people who have different perspectives. There's so much things to see and you can really find so much creativity and so much like inspiration from just getting out of your space. 100% agree. And I think that it is interesting too to see the personalities as far as design of different cities. So I actually live pretty close to Austin, which is Austin has a lot of personality, you know, hashtag stay weird and all that. It is really cool for me to go into the city and look at the um, like the spray painted advertisements on the sides of buildings, look at the window clings of the boutiques. And you can kind of tell that like there is a little bit of like kind of an Austin-y, like kind of hippie vibe going on, which is like so fun and cool. I'm sure Paris has a very different vibe as far as design and, and typeface and color and all that. So that can be a really fun exercise when you're in a new space, when you're on vacation, when you're traveling, whether that's for the holidays or you know just catching up on the travel you didn't do for during the COVID pandemic, um, <laughs> then that can be really fun. And it'll be a way to, you know, kind of when you're, you have some time off, maybe kind of recharging that, that creative battery. Yeah, agree. Last summer, my husband and I went on a road trip to the New England area. So we drove from Chicago 
to New York and then all the way up the coast to Maine, to Acadia, and then back down. So a long drive, but I felt like, and this was my first time going to New England, but I felt like it was so different than anything I'd ever experienced. Like you have that like vintage feel. It's so like quaint and cozy and all of the, like the design style that I saw in antique shops and even just at restaurants, I was like, this is so cool and unique that I wanted to like savor every single thing and bring it back with me to Chicago and be like, Chicago, you're going to be like this now. But really what I meant is I want all that inspiration that I found from traveling to be manifested through the design work that I put out because I'm like, it's so cool and unique and I hadn't seen it before. I think that is such a great way to, to differentiate yourself and differentiate your design style. Really draw on your unique lived experiences Because even though, you know, people might say, oh, it's so saturated. You might feel like there's so many brand designers out there. There is no brand designer out there. And I can say this with confidence that has the same lived experience as you, anyone who's listening. And so when you feel that imposter syndrome creep up or you feel in that creative rut, you're just like, oh, I just feel like everything I do isn't good enough. Because guys, like reality check, Esther and I feel that often. And it's a constant process that we're going through to work through some of those feelings draw on your travels, draw on your life experiences, the good and the bad, find ways to make beauty out of maybe some of the dark things that have happened to you. Um, find ways to, you know, find gratitude and find you know, even a different perspective if gratitude isn't accessible to you. But um, I don't know. I just think that there's so much that you can draw on that's like a little bit more nebulous than Pinterest or just something that's like, you know, me going to Sephora and seeing cool packaging. Inspiration can be a lot deeper than that. So that's another thing to consider and to recognize too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, let's wrap up our conversation. I think that this was so helpful. And I actually came into this thinking like, oh, I'm not really going to have anything cool to share because... I feel like I just use Pinterest all the time. But as we were talking, I really kind of lit up, you know what? Actually, I am inspiration gathering, whether or not I'm really fully conscious of it all the time. So that was a cool little realization. Yeah, such a good conversation. So many good nuggets here. I'm going to have to go back and listen to our own podcast because I'm Honestly, like, I need more inspiration. I do that. I do that sometimes. I go back and listen to old episodes and it helps with personal growth. And then I also cringe a lot, but it's fine. <laughs> Okay, so our inbox question um, is actually kind of related to our topic today. Keith Talisig asks, how do you prevent new brands from having an identity crisis? He says, I'm working with a startup. Esther, do you have any insight here? This is a really great question, Keith. I think that working with startups is hard because they don't fully know exactly who they are quite yet. So... The identity crisis is understandable and it's kind of just where they're at in their business of like figuring out what they want to be, what kind of values that they have and what they want to put into the world. So I think that the hard answer to that question is you can't really prevent them from having an identity crisis because they are going to have it and they're still going to figure it out. I think that once you get a little bit later into the like brands with three to five years or more, then that becomes more of a challenge to like 
help set them on a path that's going to take them through the next five years. But with startups, it often is just digging into like helping them figure out who they want to be for the now and not promising them that this is going to stick with them forever because they're still learning about themselves. I think that you hit the nail on the head here. I mean, I want to just call out the word identity here, brand identity. It's obviously like a brand identity design is different from branding as a whole. And like little side note, if you guys are interested in learning more about the vocabulary around brand identity, there's a great book called The Brand Gap by Marty Neumeyer. has a great glossary in the back if you're like, okay, what's the difference between brand strategy and branding and brand identity and messaging and positioning? I think you're totally right, Esther. Startups typically do have that kind of identity crisis where they're like, uh, who are we? You know, and like working with you as a brand strategist and brand designer can be very clarifying for them. So if they come to you and say, oh, we don't really know who we are, help them diagnose a little bit. Is it on the product development side? Because in that case, you would probably have to suggest that they spend a little bit of time working with a product development specialist or hiring someone to lead that side. But if they're thinking about like our target audience or you know, how we want to position ourselves or how we want to sound, those are all problems that you can help solve them as a brand designer. And so I think it's the question is more so not how to prevent them from having an identity crisis, but how to recognize when it's something that you can help with and when it's something that you might need to refer them to someone who's a little bit more of a specialist. Yeah. It's like, how do you walk through this stage in their business with them and provide them as much clarity as you can as a brand strategist or a brand designer, whatever your role is, and bringing other people into the mix if you need help as well. Because starting a business takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of energy to figure out what your audience is and who you want to be. And it's also just a huge honor to get to work with startups because you get to mold that and shape where they start from. Like I said, it might not be where they end up in five years, but it's where they start and creating that grid foundation is really, really cool. And it is such an honor. Wonderful. Um, so Keith, let us know if that helps answer your question. And then if you have additional context around this project, um, post in the group and tag us. We'd love to chat through this with you because I think that this is not something that only you are going through. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there working with startups and it could be a really interesting conversation, maybe even a future podcast episode. So thanks for the inspo. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you guys have any questions, of course, like pop into the Facebook group and tag us, but we will wrap up and we'll see you guys in next week's episode. Talk to you guys later. Bye guys. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thank you to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. 
see you guys again next week. 